Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we got Rafi Serafian and we got Noah Foster. Took a week off for the trade deadline so that we could watch it, keep track of it, absorb it, let it all get through our systems and our brains. We're back from that week. Trade deadline's passed us. And because of that, we got two brains from... Hockey Campfire on Instagram. We had Jack on not that long ago. And now we've got the other half of the account. Alex, how are you two doing tonight? It's going pretty well, Logan. How about you? Thursday night, almost the weekend. Don't really have too much to complain about. I'm here talking hockey with you guys. It's a good night. Noah, Rafi, thoughts? How you been? How's the week? I thought we were going to reach a new normal. Everything seemed to be going well. Kobe finally seemed to be kind of getting in the rear, knocking on wood. And then Bowman starts making good trades. If it wasn't for him and acquire, reacquiring an ex-Blackhawk and Hinnestroza, I would have seriously thought the end of the world was going to occur. He makes all five right, great right. trades. He's, At least your betting's was... terrible still. Yeah. Just so we got that still going for us. We'll get into it later in the show, uh, but... Bowman did exceptionally well, so I'm very happy with how Archer deadline went. Uh, I'm, But I'm very nervous because the Predators are good, and they are hot, and they are a wagon right now, and that is scary as a Black no, fan. No, and don't worry. All we have to do is trade Alex Brinkett for Brandon Todd. We'll be fine. Please, we'll be fine. Do not say the word Brandon. Do not say the words Brandon Sod about me. Around me, I will <laughs> literally get PTSD from all the trade. Is it really a bad thing that I mean, I, I, I take like a fifteen goal scorer this season, like a fifteen goal scorer, twenty assists. Not for to not, not for to bring it. God no, but like in general, are you kidding me? I think that'd be nice. It'd be a nice little addition. But he's gonna go win a cup with the Avs. He'll be fine. Honestly, like the Avalanche are so he'll scary finally get, good. He'll finally get his Stanley Cup. Oh, was the last time he won it? That's a wagon if I've ever seen one. <laughs> like 20, I think so he was good. on the 15 team. I mean, yeah. talk about like a, uh, I don't know. Good for Brandon Sod. Like the Avalanche are absolutely tearing it up in the West Division. Granted, the West Division's kind of cheeks right now. And by kind of cheeks right now, I mean they're actually kind of competitive. Like the, the fourth place spot could literally go to any of three teams, which I don't think you could say about uh, the North. I don't think you could say about that in the Central. What you can definitely say about the Discover Central. The Discover Central is definitely like that. I mean, I don't don't know. Like, it's a close race, but it's just, it's so weird to think about that. Dallas could possibly get it. Nashville could possibly get it. And Chicago could possibly get it. Sorry, I'm just going to hop into the big news, though over the last week, which is, I believe it was Radulov. Did Radulov get shut down? I know Bishop got shut down. Uh, I think Sagan's coming back in two weeks, but still. Yeah, both yeah, Dallas is losing. And, no, both um, Radulov and Bishop are out for the rest of the season, but Sagan is prominent. Bishop hasn't been playing at all this season, right? I don't think he's seen yeah, a single I don't game. Think he's played a game. But with Radulov, Radulov was really well, after a red-hot start with Pavelski at the start of the season, and then Radulov got injured. Now he's out for the season. I don't think Dallas is in this race. I think it's really just Chicago and Nashville right now duking it out right now. I think Dallas, standings-wise, they look like they're in, 
they have a chance. But again, because they're sat back at the start of the season with COVID, they're just going to be playing way too many games down the stretch, in my opinion, versus, versus quality opponents. So. Talk about playing a lot of games down the stretch. Let's focus our attention to Vancouver for a quick second before we start our trade talk, our trade deadline uh, deliberations. Okay. It's one thing to play like eight games in seven days or or not eight games in seven days, like eight games in 10 days. That's like a busy stretch for the NHL, for any NHL team, at least once during a normal season. I think it's totally out of pocket for the league to expect the Vancouver Canucks to play 14 games in as little time as they're expecting them to play. Considering that a lot of them tested positive for COVID and a lot of them were sitting on their asses for that time period because they had COVID and it's not good to, you know, do any sort of vigorous exercise when you have COVID. I think it's a it's a bad look. I don't know. I just don't think it makes sense for them to I'm not saying shut down their season. But you can't expect any team to be excited and willing to play and make a push for the playoffs, which they can still do when they have like what the the, the uh, like they're at 19. They got uh, 19 games left in their uh, season in such a short amount of time. The season ends next month, like May 10th. That's an, I think it's the 18th, but yeah. I think that that that's 19 games in less than a month is not like physically okay in my eyes, considering everything Vancouver's gone through. It just doesn't make sense to me. I genuinely think they they are currently at 35 points, they've played 37 games. Montreal is currently at 45 points, played 40 games. Montreal holds the fourth spot in the playoffs right now. Calgary is um, three wins above Vancouver at 41 points. I genuinely think what the NHL should do is say, look, any um, game that's supposed to be played against Vancouver is postponed. Um, indefinitely until the Canucks feel they're ready to play. And if they don't feel ready to play for the rest of the season, then so be it. Right. The Canucks probably aren't making the playoffs. But there should be a deadline though. They can't. I don't think so. Right. Like, but that completely at some would point, delay the rest of the league though. And I, they, and I do, I don't see why the league would be reluctant to change the schedule entirely when they did it last year. Not that they didn't have, they didn't have much of a choice last year, granted, yeah. but I don't see the issue when they're already planning or they're already trying to see if the draft is even possible because there's talks that this year's draft might not happen when it's planned to happen. I don't see why the NHL would be willing to shake up their schedule to give every team a fair shake. I think it'd be, I don't know, it just seems like something they'd be willing to do for the interest of the players because the NHLPA would have a hissy fit, rightfully so. I, I think if... Vancouver was like, we aren't ready for another two weeks, let's say, right? We aren't ready for another week and a half. Well, figure it out. I, if the league just went to them and said, figure it out, that's a bad look. And the NHLPA would have a hissy fit, rightfully so. 
It's so also it's an argument mind. that you'd have to start the. So I, and I've heard this in in NHL news and stuff where they've openly said that if it comes down to it, they'll start the other three uh, semifinal semifinal tournaments like, or division tournaments. You guys get what I'm trying to say. Each um, there's been a lot of NHL news about each division running through their own playoff tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about each division running through their own playoff tree and how they'd be willing to start like the Scotia Bank North division, for example, that part of the bracket a bit later on to make accommodations for that as well, too, if it came down to it. So I, I see the points though, but I don't think, there needs to be some sort of line in my opinion. But yes, obviously what JT Miller said, I think it was yesterday or today about how like he doesn't feel ready, how some of his teammates don't feel ready. Yeah, I, I don't think you should have expected one practice to be ready to go and then ready right out the gate. I think that's kind of ridiculous. It'll be interesting to see what the league does for sure, but it'll be, I'm, th- I'm sure there's a lot of discussion going on between the players, Canucks organization, and uh, the NHL's you know, higher ups as we speak. Let's get into our top main topic for today, which is the winners and losers of the trade deadline. That was April 12th. And we're going to have five, five, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, four, four or five for each. Uh, I want to start off with one of the winners who, while maybe not, um, totally secure in a playoff spot right now and it wasn't the you know most flashiest deadline they've ever had i think the chicago blackhawks had a fantastic trade deadline much to the stan bowman haters demise their sadness stan bowman did a fantastic job this deadline i'm very very happy with what we got for our trades and what we got in in return I mean, yeah, they capitalized. Bowman came out numerous times saying, we're willing to eat salary for the right price. Did so with Connolly and were able to pick up Henrik Borgstrom, who will likely be signing a contract with the Blackhawks to join them next season. And he could be ready to go right out the gate. Who knows? He has He's trending kind of towards bust just because the Panthers kind of just didn't develop him well. But the Blackhawks are the homeland of second opportunities. And if this kid, this kid has an incredibly high ceiling. So this could be a somewhat like a table Teravine and Brian Bickle trade in the past. I know Logan doesn't really like it, like talking about that too much. But although we were kind of knew Tavo was kind of going to be something. And meanwhile, Borsham's kind of like, we don't know. He has a high ceiling. However, I do see some similarities there. And I also just want to highlight too that they got. He traded Myanmark, but was able to get a second and a third round pick, which a lot of people make fun of Buffalo for all that, how Buffalo sold Taylor Hall for less. But regardless, yeah, I think Bowman had a great deadline. I'm not really, I can't really say anything bad about him on this one. I thought he did a good job. Pat on the bat. Bat. Good work. I was going to say, can we talk about that acquisition of Adam Gaudet, please? I mean, that was an absolute police by just a Stan good depth move. Like I think they're I think they're trying to do with Adam Gaudet what they did with Dylan Strom. They're trying to capitalize on a player 
that had a really well the difference with Dylan Strom was he never really found a groove with himself in Arizona and he finally found one in Chicago and you know he, he he's playing with his old teammate of course he's going to but Adam Gaudet had a really good season last year and he hasn't so far in a short time uh that he's played in the league this season I think Bowman's trying to recapture some of that I'm kind of paraphrasing his own words too and I don't know. I think if there's a lineup to do it, I say this with a lot of players, but if there's a lineup to do it, I think Chicago's got it. I think they have a lot of dynamic players that Gaudet could feed off of. I think Gaudet could really transform his game into this, you know, into the top nine, maybe 45 point player power play two forward that he was last season and can be the rest of his career. I think it was a good move. Yeah, I think he definitely has potential to grow. He's well, he's an RFA, but I don't see a reason why Bowman wouldn't decide to bring him back, barring Seattle deciding to choose to select him. And yeah, good pickup. Heimer was kind of a borderline NHLer, bottom line guy, kind of an energy guy, but didn't really have a place. And I just want to mention too, before we move on, that the Blackhawks forward core, if Jonathan Taze comes back next season, that's going to be, look really good. I'm very excited for that. But let's move move on to a team that, rather than fighting for four, is trying to maintain a spot at one, build off a foundation, a healthy foundation. That's the Toronto Leafs. Jack, why don't you give a little breakdown about why you think they're a winner at the trade deadline? I did like some of the um, buy low moves by Toronto. For example, the Riley Nash acquisition. I think he's a top 50 defensive player in this league currently, and I really like that considering it was a conditional seventh-round pick. Um, the Nick Foligno was a bit of an overpayment in my opinion. I think they could have maybe tried to get like, give up like a second and third in the two forts, but it is what it is. When you have to go all in, you have to go in, not to mention on top of that, that the 2021 draft class is weaker when it comes to depth. So Toronto will make out just fine. They have a young guys like Rodan Amirov who just signed his entry level contract today. Um, I didn't really understand the Ben Hutton acquisition much. It made no sense to trade Miko Letkin in a way to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, ben Hutton hasn't been great this year, so I don't know what that was about. None, um, of, the, none of their bottom pairing caliber defensemen have been anything special. They've been rotating in the same three, four guys into that bottom pair the whole season. This is just another guy that brings more NHL experience. I think it's a good move. Yeah, yeah just but you have guys down. like Bogosian. You have Dermot. The who goat. else do you have on that blue line? You have uh, uh, Hall's kind of come a bit. Hall, Hall's come a bit down to earth, I believe, in the past few weeks. But yeah, I mean, it's also kind of like what Tampa did um, last year in the offseason leading up to their Stanley Cup run, where they just shored up depth, picked up guys. They weren't making any flashy moves. I think Toronto did a good job of that as well. Kind of reciprocating what was done by Brisbois last offseason at the trade deadline. So, yeah, no, I agree. Overall, Toronto winners. Yeah, definitely overall Toronto was good. I just didn't see much of a purpose in the Ben Hutton acquisition, considering something else I want to touch on was just the horrific asset management by some of the general managers this trade deadline within, like, waivers and trades and other things. How about we move on to talk about the Detroit Red Wings, who Steve Yzerman had pulled off some crazy magic 
bringing in a huge haul in exchange for Anthony Manta. Let's talk okay. about that. Anthony Manta. That was my favorite move of the day, by the way. I cannot I, express shocked. enough how, like, that was my favorite move of the whole day. Anthony Manta is good. And I saying his name is very strange, but, you know, it is what it is. Manta is was a pretty solid player for Detroit. A point, averaging a point every two games, right? That's solid on a struggling Detroit team. But for Mantha, Iserman got Ponick, Vrana, a first rounder and a second rounder. What? How? 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 Literally how? I don't I, I really do. I really do think that it was be, because it, it came, I believe, a few minutes after the deadline. I'm pretty sure this was wire to wire and the Capitals are just like, okay, whatever, whatever it takes, just do it. And I think that's kind of what happened. Cause yeah, cause you think about the panic, which was part of the cap dump, but I don't think maybe it's worth the second. It was only just under $3 million. So I think another three years, I believe, or two years after this year, so that didn't really make too much sense. And yeah, Verona, Although he's an RFA, it's kind of a lateral move that they decided to even throw in. Like, Verona panic in a second for Mantha, I think is fine in itself. Or maybe you throw in a third. At first, it was kind of far-fetched. I don't, I don't really get that either, in my opinion. I think it just came down to the wire, and they were just like, whatever, whatever it takes to get him. Yeah. And he scored. He did score in his first game. Just to be the sticking. devil's advocate here, apparently there were reports that uh, Vrana was pretty kind of upset with his playing time, which is rightfully so. I mean, he was getting 11 minutes a game and performing at a pretty great rate. So, yeah, but um, sure. I still – I just don't see the first rounder. That's insane to me. Yeah, yeah like it's not, a, it's not a horrible trade if you, like – honestly, if you take out, like, any one of the pieces from Antha, it's, like, a good trade, but – all four together, it's not great. I mean, well, well you think, I should say before not we great move for the on, Capitals. Before we move on, it's basically a second to dump Panic's contract. And then it was Verona. What are you dumping $1.6 million? It's $1.6 million. Yeah, it's not bad. It's what? It's 2.75. It's 2.75. That's on the taxi squad. That's so? Like, that's two. That's under $3 million for a decent top nine forward. That's a great penalty killer right there. I'd pay him $3 million bucks. But what I do know is Lou Amarillo was quite active at the trade deadline, and one of the big moves he made was acquiring Kyle Palmieri and Travis Jack in a deal involving the New Jersey Devils where they traded a first-round pick, another pick, I believe it was a fourth-round pick, and two depth players. I really do think that this is the year for the Islanders to make it out of the, not Metropolitan, but out of that East Division. I think they look really good. I think this just shores up their depth. Yes, losing Andrews Lee was a big blow, but I think they were able to capitalize it and gain some grit with Travis Ajax, which I think is a great guy for your middle to bottom six. Yes, that trade was way before the trade deadline. Whatever. It's close enough to trade deadline. It's a trade deadline acquisition. Um, they also picked up Braden Coburn for a seventh-round pick in a trade with Ottawa. Coburn's been fine, but... Um, you know, that's just another depth piece that you can have, another solid NHLer. Um, so, yeah, Rafi, honestly, I agree. Islanders look really scary. They're really hot right now. I think they're tied for first 
in the East Division at the time of recording. So they're, you know, made it to the third round last year. You'd love to see at least the same from them this year. I'm not exactly sure how the format's going to work, but, you know, something and I, or something, excuse me, something along those lines, you'd love to see the Islanders push past that, or at least make it to the third round, whatever that looks like this year. They've had really active trade deadline and kind of like the Maple Leafs going all in with depth pieces and scoring and talent. So if they, if they don't make it very far, it's got to be a big disappointment for them. All right, let's move on to our final winner, the Boston Bruins, who actually were able to make a big splash and acquire Taylor Hall. They got Curtis as well, which was pretty impressive in my opinion. Don Sweeney kind of manhandled Kevin Adams. We predicted this, though. Like Everyone was predicting this, that Taylor Hall wasn't going to get a first because they waited so goddamn long. No. I don't think that's the case. He's worth a first round pick alone. Like if it was Taylor Hall for a first round pick, I would be okay with that. If it was Taylor Hall for a first round pick and a prospect of some kind, I would be okay with that. Kevin Adams had no leverage whatsoever. He had an $8 million cap deal. He had a player that necessarily... Maybe it was lack of motivation. Maybe it wasn't, but there still wasn't enough proven eliteness this season to really beg a first rounder. He had no bargaining room. It's Buffalo. What bargaining room do they have? What prospects do they have that are tempting? They have nothing. They have nothing. They had no bargaining power. And they they ate salary too on top of it. Like. Which uh, made it even better. It was hilarious. Kevin Adams couldn't have called up his good friend Stan Bowman. Hey, you want a you want a B level prospect that's on the cusp of an NHL career, maybe for taking fifty percent of this cap hit on, like, or Steve Eiserman or uh, Doug Gilmore, San Jose, or, uh, whoever in Arizona or someone. Like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I, I think Kevin Adams could have stood his ground a little bit more, but he got manhandled on this deal. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of also entered now the losers, which our first one is Buffalo. Alex, if you want to hop in as well, either on the topic of the Bruins or the Sabres, then we'll get into the full losers that we have. Uh, yeah, on the Sabres, I just think that they could have handled it a lot better than they did, really. I mean, this goes back to Buffalo and, I mean, Boston, but a second and – who was it? It was a second in Bjork. For Otters, Bjork. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I just, Taylor Hall was a former heart winner. And I guess that wasn't what 2017 or something like that, but, See, but that's you got to get more, you, you got to get more than that. The thing is though, I think general managers are starting to come around and say, we're not, that's not who we're paying for right now. That's your price. Isn't for 2017 heart trophy winner Taylor Hall. That was crazy. As crazy as it is. It's almost four years since that. And Taylor Hall hasn't really done anything with the devil since then, the Coyotes or Buffalo. So that doesn't, in my opinion, I think general managers are like, we're paying for what Taylor is now. We're not paying for what he was or what he was. And what is Taylor Hall now, Rafi, if I may ask? A top six forward. Just a top six forward. You're not going to. A top six forward that can play making. 
I that's, don't. that's that's how I see him right now. I that's see, how I see him. I you're in like the consensus group with that. I think a lot of GMs, a lot of analysts. Would I have given a first round pick for him? Yes, I would have. I would have tossed a first round pick for him. After the Kyle Palmieri trade, looking at that, I would have probably tossed a first round pick for Taylor Hall if they're also eating the salary. I don't know. To me, Taylor Hall is still an elite player, right? Like he still has the capacity. Last season, he was a 52 point winger in 65 games. That's like a 60 point he, place. Elite That's players, too- in my opinion, can bolster a line or can also contribute when they're not the main piece. Like Taylor Hall needs another solid piece. And he wasn't even able to do well with that solid piece, which was Jack Eichel and Reinhardt. Yeah, he's two been a 50, goals this season. He's a, he's Let's a be real. 50, he's a 50-plus pace player every season he's been in the league. That is a top six forward, in my opinion. I, That's a I don't know. Consistent top six forward. That's a top six forward, in my opinion. So I, just a top six forward would have uh, heart capacity? Uh, the first, That was four like, years ago. Okay, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a top six winger, then, right? I think he's a comparable player. Do you think that's do you think that's a yes, fair shake is. for Ryan Hartman or Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Yeah, Taylor Hall and Ryan Hartman, the same player. You heard it here first. Ryan Nugent, I think, I think Taylor Ryan Hall's Hartman a much got a first player. round pick though. Ryan I Hartman think, got a first round pick though. I think Taylor Hall's that. a significantly better player than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. That's not true, but well, I mean, that's, season, for, I, that's I, for another day. That's for this season. Day. I would argue no, but like overall. Yeah, you're saying Taylor was like I'm taking Taylor Hall a 50 point every season, and he's he's injury prone, so he's really more of like a 65 70 point player every season when he's healthy in a full game in a full season every season, two way forward. And you're telling me that I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just missing the point of what you're saying, but that's to me is crazy to say. I just I'm just gonna mention that Ryan Nugent Hopkins can 80. 70 80 point pace last season and he had 69 points a season before but we're not going to keep talking about that because that's not too far we're getting too far off track moving on to teams that were losers but because they were sitting quiet and didn't do anything when they kind of need to short their team we have Nashville, minnesota and st louis we can talk about them separately as well but the general consensus in my opinion is they were on the borderline or Minnesota needing to compete with Colorado and Vegas. And rather than making moves to bolster their team, they just did nothing, which I think was a big mistake. But you guys can all chime in about whoever you guys want out of those three. Minnesota is like the only team I'm like a fine, like fine with um, doing nothing this deadline. They probably could have done something, made their team better, but they're okay where they are right now they're sitting you know pretty comfortably that third spot in the division but nashville 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 why did you not do literally anything like as a blackhawks fan this is good right because we did well in the trade deadline and nashville didn't but like from a nashville's from nashville's perspective they are riding a hot streak right now to get that last spot in the playoffs right if that goes away suddenly and either of Dallas or or Chicago or hell even Columbus gets hot like Predators are doomed and they're just going to get knocked right back out of the playoffs. They needed to do something that um you know to make their team more stable and to make their team more consistent and more consistently winning games not out of 
are not in a hot streak, right? But they didn't. And so now if they if they squeeze into the playoffs, they're going to get like mega destroyed by whoever they play. Not like anyone that four spot won't, but like they're if 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 this hot streak runs out, they are going to be royally screwed. Um if another team gets out in the central division. I think if you're Nashville, you're hoping for one of two things with now making a move. I think the trade deadline came at such a weird point in this in their season progression that they they caught it in the hot streak. And their team has kind of started picking itself together. UC Soros has actually been playing like he should be playing. Pecorine has been playing like a serviceable backup, which was not the case last season at all. Uh I don't know. Like I if you're Nashville, you're banking that this continues and you're banking on Chicago and Columbus and Dallas not picking it up or Chicago not picking it up again. Right? That's what you're banking on by not making any sort of significant move. See, it's just the part that we all know whether Nashville fans like it or not, their cup window is very close to being closed. I honestly it's think it's closed here. It's close. I'd say I'd say it's just barely opened. But yeah, I think they closed it by not making any big moves though. Come this trade deadline. I mean, obviously there wasn't there wasn't a selling market this year, so you can't really get too mad about the, all the big fishes because there really weren't any. But there's they still could have made several moves and they can make their chemistry and all this, but I don't know. I think Nashville really made a mistake and I mean, from a Blackhawks perspective, this is hilarious because their cup windows closing; they have zero cups. But from an analyst perspective, I just don't know why they just didn't go all in this year. Kind of like how Columbus did a few years ago with the Duchesne trade and all those moves as well. Jack, Alex, do you have any thoughts on those three teams? Yeah, something I want to touch on with a team like Nashville or Minnesota, not necessarily Minnesota because they obviously have an amazing defense, but with the Nashville and for whatever reason, the audio decided to not show up after that little bit of uh, the podcast. So, the the rest of the conversation's gone into the interwebs, into the random coding of my computer. I don't know what happened to it. And yeah, but uh, I'm going to take the time to thank Alex and Jack of at Hockey Campfire on Instagram for jumping on the show. It was a really great episode. We love having them on. Uh, you guys are welcome back anytime. Uh, you can check their stuff out on Instagram at Hockey Campfire. Don't forget, find our stuff at Puck Talk Live Podcast on Instagram. You can click the Linktree link in our bio to find all of our socials and the show platforms. Once again, my name is Logan Rosengard. We appreciate everything you guys do with the show, and we will see you guys next week.